in a world of opportunity. There are certain individuals who take the leap into uncharted waters. The brave souls who go beyond the status quo and challenge old school ways of thinking. They are the entrepreneurs. Join your host, Reggie B, each week as he uncovers stories of perseverance, new perspectives, and the secrets of success through candid conversation with those who struck out on their own and survived. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here's your host, the man, the myth, the legend, Reggie B. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of Hey You, Get a Real Fucking Job. I am Reggie B, and I know you're not going to want to miss a minute of this. So make sure you subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever it is you're listening. Okay, enough of the small talk. Let's get on with the show. Hey, before we get on with today's episode, I just want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Five Star Mortgage Group, your small business financing specialists. Listen, when you're self-employed, getting a mortgage can seem damn near impossible. But Tony and his team at Five Star Mortgage Group, they know what it's like to be self-employed. And they work with the lenders who appreciate your drive, your visions, and your business. Whether you're looking to get that first home, vacation property, or maybe a rental property, Tony and the team at Five Star Mortgage Group are the only team you need. Look them up on the web at fivestarmg.ca. That's five, F-I-V-E, star, M-G dot C-A. All right, let's get on with the show. Hey, legends, welcome back to another episode of Hey You, Get a Real Fucking Job. I am Reggie B, and I am your host. Now, listen, we got an incredible guest with us today, and I think we're all in for a little bit of an education. Mr. Sam Osborne is an imposter syndrome expert and the author of How to Beat Imposter Syndrome and Be More Confident, The Ultimate 30-Day Challenge. Now, Sam's mission is to empower leaders and professionals across all industries, markets, and sectors to dissolve imposter syndrome so they can lead more effectively, confidently, and authentically. Sam, welcome to the show. Reggie, thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, all the way from Australia. All the way from Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, Saturday morning uh, taking time out of your schedule. I, I appreciate You're that. Welcome. So, You're welcome. So listen, you know, imposter syndrome to me, um, you know, the more I've learned about it, uh, yeah, I was kind of off the mark. Um, you know, I, I got the imposter part down, I think, but the imposter syndrome part, I don't really understand a lot about. To me, it's like somebody trying to be somebody they're not, trying to be like somebody else, trying to put forward a persona that they just can't live up to. Um, but I want to hear it from the expert. What What is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is a psychological state of self-doubt, usually regarding one's intelligence or skill level. And it's where someone might feel like they're out of their depth, despite evidence of competence and ongoing success. So in other words, they've got a track record of coming through with the goods, but they just can't feel like uh, that they had anything to do with it. They can't uh, take the credit and they, they cannot internalize that success. Therefore, they feel like a phony or a fraud. And it usually comes along with a fear that they're going to be exposed as a fraud 
and that the uh, imaginary fraud police are going to come knocking on their door and say, we know you've been faking your intelligence, your skill, and the position that you have in life. And so, yeah, people feel that they are not competent when others may have given them, you know, compliments, praise. They might even have like accolades and certificates and awards, but they just can't really get that feeling of like, yeah, I am an expert. And so they feel like they're out of their depth. So is this something like, is this self, self-doubt? self Is this, you know, a, a, a self-worth type of thing, confidence type of thing? Uh, are they kind of combined or is it, is it separate from those? Okay, so when you feel like an imposter, yeah, your confidence is going to go down and you're, you're not going to feel like you have a high self-worth. You're going to feel like you are less than others. You'll compare yourself to other people and say, those people are more intelligent or uh, those people know more than me. And so you you downplay your own expertise, you downplay your own skill and intelligence. And so, yeah, it has a lot to do with self-worth or a lack of it. However, the real crux of the matter is that imposter syndrome is a result of subordinating yourself to the values of other people in the sense that when you see someone else or you imagine a group of people, you actually have injected their values along the way and you've minimized your own values and you say, well, that those values are not important. I need to try and be like these people or I need to adhere to those value systems. And therefore, you will never feel authentic because you're trying to be someone you're not, even though you have incredible skill, intelligence and experience, but you're, you're minimizing yourself and therefore you mi- minimize your worth. Now, with that being said, where you you talked about the values and that, do you see this sort of thing maybe with, um, you know, managers or people climbing the corporate ladder who work for a company that have specific, um, you know, mission statement and and core values and company values that maybe don't quite align with yours? Uh, Is is that the type of person maybe we're, we're talking about that this imposter syndrome affects because now they feel they have to live up to something that really doesn't align with their self-beliefs yeah remember that everyone no one goes to work to fulfill the company's values they go to fulfill their own values let's be clear let's be realistic right and so in addition to that a lot of mission statements by corporations are completely irrelevant to the people who work there and the people who create them it's really just a nice fancy way of saying we are a big family and it's you know, it's usually out of alignment with the people who work there. I'm also going to summarize something here for you. And this is really something that uh, I think will hint at the solution to imposter syndrome. And that is an individual who is living out of alignment with their values is an imposter. And a person who is living in alignment with their highest values is authentic, confident, aware, they are resilient, they activate their executive center, and their leadership and genius capacities. Do you think that is bred into us at an early age? Uh, Let's look at school, for example, right? In school, we're taught that, you know, there's only one right way to do things. Uh, You know, don't speak unless spoken to sort of things. There's one answer, you know, I'm right, you're wrong sort of thing. So is that kind of 
that imposter syndrome bred into us because we want to please other people? Yeah, people pleasing and trying to be perfect is certainly some of the symptoms that come along from parents, teachers, preachers, society saying this is what is important. This is what will really uh, try to help you in life. And you can kind of think that most people are well-meaning. You know, they're trying to raise children in the right way. However, I've had experience as a school teacher for over a decade uh, with children, teenagers, uh, college and adult age students. And one of the things that I noticed is that no one really teaches students to reflect on what is most meaningful for them, uh, to articulate a purpose in life, to um, articulate the financial responsibilities that come with their chosen path. And many times when I've asked students, has anyone ever asked you what your purpose is in life or what you would really like to do rather than the surface level answer of like, get a job, go to university or follow in the footsteps of your, of your old man or your old, your old, uh, your mother or something like that. Most people just have never been educated and told that they can choose a purpose that is meaningful or choose their own values or to learn the skill of reflection and to find out what is really meaningful to them. And as a result, we are, in, as you said, we have somebody else's values bred into us or indoctrinated or injected. And so we grow up thinking that those are the values that we should subscribe to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that Because we're told not to question that, right? We're told, no, mom and dad know best. They're going to teach you best. Your teacher knows best. And we're not taught to be free thinkers or set our own, um, you know, goals for our own aspirations and values. So um, I can appreciate what you said. So imposter syndrome, now I'm assuming this isn't something new. Now, I don't know if it's taken on a new title, but it seems within the last few years, especially, you know, possibly since COVID, we're, we're hearing more about it. Is it, are we becoming more aware of it? You know, are we, is it mainstream media speaking more about it? Um, what's what's with uh you know it seeming to to pop out of the woodwork so to speak yeah so original the original research in the 1970s by dr pauline rose clance and dr suzanne ims i m m e s i think they did the first study on it and they researched uh, and did a study with high achieving women who um who experienced you know, self-doubt and insecurity. So initially they thought that it was just women. However, in the last 30, 40 years, there's been a lot more research done and they've found that it affects people across the board, regardless of their sex, gender, their background, the color of their skin, the religion. Imposter syndrome doesn't discriminate. Right. Yes, it can affect people in, in various ways, especially if you're students of color or you're in a minority or un underrepresented, um, demographics, yes, they're going, it's going to affect those people too. But it's if you look at the research, there was one paper brought out that studied uh, about 60 different research projects to try and get a summary of what's going on with imposter, imposter syndrome. And they found that it really depended on the people that they studied for the, for the project to find out what percentage. So it can vary between 10% of people to 80% of people. Uh, there is a, a statistic going around the internet 
that about 70% of people experience it. So look, let's just say a lot of people go through it. Initially, it was called imposter phenomenon, and it, and it still is called imposter phenomenon in the academic literature. It's not technically a, a syndrome, uh, which means it hasn't been classified as um, something that is along the lines of a, a disease or an illness or right. a mental right. illness. It's it's still considered a phenomenon. And yeah, so in the last few years, it's become more popular. And if you look on Google Trends at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, the, the search term imposter syndrome just started to, to lift. And you can just go to Google Trends, type in imposter syndrome, all time, all locations, and you'll see that it just peaked around about March 2019. Well, it started to peak and it's going up even more. So I, I tend to think that people during the pandemic, they had more time on their hands for sure. Lots of people lost their jobs. And so you got a lot of people who weren't used to that. And all of a sudden they're, they're starting to doubt themselves and think, okay, well, there's less jobs and I've got all this time. Am I really that good? And so I, I suspect that people started to search, oh, I've heard of this thing's imposter syndrome. What's that? So maybe the the, the pandemic had a, a big uh, impact on on people's insecurities in that regard of their skill and their intelligence. Right. Now, you, you mentioned there, and this was something I was going to ask you, where it hasn't been, you know, diagnosed as a d disease. Um, so is imposter something, uh, sorry, imposter syndrome something you can um, get rid of, or is it kind of always in you, but you learn to recognize it and you learn to control it? There is, abs with absolute certainty, there is a method to completely eradicate imposter syndrome and that method is called the Demartini method. And this is something that I've been trained in and I'm professionally licensed to, to use. And it's based on the works of Dr. John Demartini, who's from uh, Houston, Texas. This guy is a human behavioral expert, a former chiropractic uh, chiropractor, and is now traveling the world, speaking and teaching people about the Demartini method, which is a, a scientific method to balance perceptions and emotions, to bring about a state of objectivity, to bring about a state of gratitude for all aspects of yourself, positive and negative, so that you can have appreciation for your whole being. And as a result, you find that imposter syndrome will become a thing of the past. And you can look back and say, you know, I appreciate that I went through those experiences and that you can have a kind of gratitude for the parts of you that had those insecurities and now you can see the other side of it and move forward. So it is absolutely something that you can neutralize and move on from. And I've done that with my clients. Oh, that's now that's interesting. So with imposter syndrome, then I, I assume that it can affect different parts of your life, whether it's your professional life, your personal life, your financial life, you mentioned about, you know, finance and stuff like that. So can you have imposter syndrome in one aspect of your life and not another? Absolutely. So most people have it in their career or in their business. Uh, I know I had it when I wanted to start my first small business as an entertainer and professional human beatboxer was my chosen first career or business. And so I felt it then. But many people can feel it in relationships they can feel that they are not worthy or deserving of the partner that they are with. 
and you know they can feel like they are an imposter in that relationship and that the person is yeah is they're, they're not bringing value to the to the relationship it can also affect you in you as a parent i've had people say to me that they don't feel like they are uh, they know what they're doing as a parent. And I think most parents could probably relate with that right, at one point or another, you know, but it's like, well, you know, be, give you, cut yourself some, some slack. I mean, I'm not a parent, but I've been a school teacher for many years. I, I have met many parents and it's like, my hat goes off to you. you in, incredible resilience to, to raise children, but people can feel like an imposter as a father or an imposter as a, as a mother. And just feel that they are out of their depth. And it is a complete subordination to some fantasy of a perfect ideal of what you're trying to be. And as a result, you'll never feel authentic, never feel present, and never enjoy what is true and real in whatever situation you're in. Right. Okay. Now, what are some of the signs, right? If, if um, because a after starting to learn this, I can see in myself um, some of that imposter syndrome, either in the past or even you know in my present life. So, what are some of the signs that somebody can can recognize and say, yeah, you know what that that's me. That that's I, I need to read this book or I need to take this challenge. What 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 should they be looking for? Sure. So um, the original researchers of Dr. Pauline Rose Clance, they put out a questionnaire, 20 questions that they asked their uh, their cohort to help them identify exactly what you've just said. And one of them is, do you feel like you are out of your depth in your current position, your job, even though you have got the qualification, you have got the experience? And a lot of people can say, yeah, on a scale of 10, I feel like I'm out of my depth. That's definitely one of them. Another one is you can't take compliment or praise when it's due. Another one of them is because it's self-doubt, you have indecision, procrastination. You might not speak up in meetings when you know you've got the answer or you've got something of value to contribute. Uh, another sort of sign is that you don't go for the jobs that you know you could apply for and that other people are saying you'd be great at it. For example, you might have a supervisor that's saying, you should go for this job. You'd be great. You're ready for it. But you just can't see it in your own mind. You can't believe what this person is saying. You, you think to yourself, I'm not that good. I'm not ready. And so the, the feeling of low self-worth will certainly be the big red flag that you could be going through imposter syndrome. Now, you mentioned something there about procrastination, and I think in one of your interviews, or maybe I read it in, in um, some of your stuff there, where you referred to procrastination as a tool of a perfectionist. Um, can, can you talk on that a little bit? Because I know for me, I'm a perfectionist. You know, it's got to be, you, you kind of get that analysis paralysis because you're, you know, you got to know everything. You got to make sure everything is perfect before you take that jump. Uh, can you talk on that maybe a little bit? Yeah, so perfectionism certainly is uh, a, a sign that you could be going through imposter syndrome in the sense that you might not ever finish a project because you want it to be absolutely perfect because you have this ideal in your head, which is a great strength. It's it's a great strength to want things to be perfect. I mean, that's, that's a, a skill of the master is that it's like, 
sweet, right? However, if you are finding that you cannot complete a project or even start one because you're afraid that it won't be perfect, then it could be that you're feeling like, well, it's not going to be good enough. People are going to find out that I'm actually, that I don't have the chops. So I would say if you're going through that, realize that maybe you've got some unrealistic fantasy playing in your head of how it should be and turn out. Whereas the master understands that mistakes are part of learning and part of being a master is that a master will experiment and try something and risk it. And if it falls and crumbles that they just pick it up and keep going again. And I think that's got to be a huge transition when you can transition to that master um, because I know in, you know, in my past life, so, so to speak, that I have started many, many projects where I had this great idea and, you know, I'd get them started and then just kind of fizzle out. And, and whether it was a fact of, I didn't believe in myself enough or in the idea enough and to get to that next level. And is there a way of getting to that next level, maybe of taking that, you know, perfectionist and becoming that master where you follow through and you learn that failure is okay and you're going to learn from that um you know is there things that you work with um with people to, to get past that yeah the number one thing you can do is clarify your highest values your true values not the values that you think you should value and when i say values i mean priorities things that are meaningful to you things that you are inspired to do and they're usually connected to contributing to other people's lives. So there's a, an element of service and giving back. But it also means that you get to be fulfilled in your being, in your life, and do something that you enjoy and, and often be remunerated for it or paid handsomely. So there's a, a fairness of exchange going on. And if people want to clarify their highest values, and I mean like the top three would be a great start. You might want to do top five. If you can start a list and just say, okay, what's the number one thing that I value most in life? Number two, number three. And then you start to orchestrate your life around those values. Decisions become easier. Rather than trying to compare yourself unrealistically to somebody else's values and try to set your life around those people's priorities, which is when you're going to start to have the comparisons, feel like you'll never be good enough, the, the, the perfectionism comes in. But if you clarify your highest values and you are going after the things that you really gain a lot of meaning from, then you're going to find that imposter syndrome dissolves because every decision you make is on the way, not in the way. And any mistake you make is also on the way, not in the way. So you start to have a different paradigm of thinking about what it means to progress in life, to develop, and just to be yourself. And so you can accept, yeah, sometimes I'm going to screw up, but sometimes I'm going to kick butt and be like, have a moment go, that was pretty good. So the kind of self-worth that I'm wanting people to, to chew on is a grounded, objective one where you see the positives and negatives and you put them both next to each other and you can appreciate both sides of yourself when you're down and when you're up. And just say, you know what? That's being human. I like that analogy of on the way, not in the way. Uh, I think that's great, especially, you know, for entrepreneurs who think failure is just that failure, right? And, and then you learn that it's just a roadblock on the way. It's not in my way. And I just got to figure out how to get past that. So I, I like that uh, 
analogy. When you're looking at putting your values, should you be looking at the different aspects of your life? Should I should I try to figure out what are my you know values in the workplace? What are my values you know in my personal life? What are my values as a parent? Um, or do they all kind of work around the, the the same values, those same core values? I've found after years of reflecting on my own values that they do tend to come together in as as a whole. However, to for uh, someone who's doing this for the first time, it's it's easier to break your life up into areas. So let's take there's seven main areas that I like to to encourage people to look at. So you have your financial, your career or vocation or your business. You have your spiritual, which is something that you are uh, dedicated to, like a cause. And uh, you have your mental life, your 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 leadership capacities, your creativity. You have your family. You have your relationships. You have social areas, and you have your physical area of life. And physical area could be your physical health, appearance, vitality. It could be the space around you, so physical things. And then you you break down those seven areas, and you go, okay, in each one of those areas, what's most important to me? And you just start listing a few things and. You might say, well, I, I want to enjoy my career. Okay, great. So if you list something like that, family, all right, I want to raise a family. Yes, okay, good. Next one, social life, all right, I want quality friends. And you just go around the circle of the areas of life and break it down. So I have this uh, saying is that uh, vague language disempowers us, but specific language empowers us. So the more detailed you can be about your values and the categories of life, the more empowered you're going to be because you start to have greater control and awareness over those areas of your life rather than having this vague idea of, oh, I kind of value financial wealth or I, I value my career. It's like, okay, that's a good start. Now go into the details. And from that, you'll start to build goals and plans and schedule your time and fill your time with things that are of importance to you rather than letting other people fill their your time with things that are important to them. Right. And I think it'd be important to realize as well as you're probably not going to achieve them either all, especially at once, right? So, um, you know, it, it can be tough sometimes when we, when we set goals like that to to say, okay, well, I'm not achieving it yet. I'm not achieving it yet. And I, I'll bring back that analogy. It's on the way. It's not in the way. And I, I'm going to write that down because I think I, I love that. So, Well, I'm going to have to credit Dr. John D. Martini for that saying. That's yeah. a, a beautiful piece of poetry. I'll also say that goals and not achieving our goals, yes, you, we can we can kick ourselves or we can feel deflated if we don't achieve our goals by a certain time. And that can usually be because we haven't made a, a detailed plan or given it enough time or be patient or that we have unrealistic expectations about how long it should take to get there. So what values does is it gives us a big, broad sort of aim, a vision for our life. And from that, you choose very achievable, specific daily tasks that you can do that when you check them off, you can say that little step helped me fulfill these values just that little bit more. So then patience kicks in and your time horizons expand. You say, you know what? I'm going to give myself more time to do these little things because I know each one of them 
helps me to fulfill my values now and in the future. So you can feel successful every day. And I think, you know, with the society we live in now, it's that patience that a lot of people, you know, have lost or have lacked because we live in a society that is, you know, very right now. Um, you know, I want satisfaction now. Um, TikTok, right? If you're more than 30 seconds, hey, I've moved on to something else. So do you find, you know, that society plays a lot into uh, the imposter syndrome and where we don't give ourselves the, the time and the, you know, I guess the time to be able to to be realistic and, and meet those goals? Are we kind of, you know, fighting an uphill battle, so to speak? Yeah, from a brain chemistry point of view, we find that a lot of people are, are addicted to their emotional responses of flight or fight. And if you are unclear on your values, society will fulfill them for you. They will inject values into you and you feel like you should be like some other people. And they use, the comparison is certainly amplified by social media and attention spans drop because people are looking for something and they're not finding it because it's not actually their true values. They're not being fulfilled in any way. They're, there's this weird sort of trying to live up to what society is throwing at us. And if you're just scrolling through, it's a, a bottomless pit. But when a person is crystal clear on their top values and they make a little promise to themselves, say, this is what is most meaningful to me. It actually changes the brain chemistry. It sends the blood and the glucose from the amygdala into the prefrontal cortex, the executive center, right. where there's literally thousands more neurons, which gives person gives a person literally more options of interpreting reality. And it gives a person greater control and objectivity over how to spend their time. And they can say, you know what, look, looking at TikTok's fun, but it's a, a bit of a waste of time. I want to go and do something that really means something to me. And I found the same thing. I'm guilty of, of scrolling a lot as well. And so I remind myself, what's the top value? What's an activity that I can be doing to help me fulfill something that is truly important to me? And as a result, you you change the brain chemistry and you you move from survival mode to thrival mode and you move from being addicted to social media to inspired by your vision. Right. And, you know, it's funny you just said survival and thrival because I've always considered myself, I, I'm a survivor. I, I was taught to be a survivor. Um, and I always said that, you know what, I'm a survivor, not a thriver. And I had to make that change, um, which is tough because you only know what you know and, and, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Do you find, now I know, um, you know, my my spouse, she's big on affirmations and writes them down and reads them every day. Do you recommend the same thing once you come to your core values that you write them down, you have them somewhere, whether it's, you know, the bathroom mirror and you read them to yourself every day so they become ingrained and they they help you, you know, keep you guided, so to speak? Absolutely. Specific language empowers us. Vague language disempowers us. And if you can write down the things that are of importance to you, the things that you want to remind yourself, that's going to bypass the messages and opinions of the outside world that are trying to take up your attention. 
So I'm a big believer in affirmations and I have a an ongoing list of nearly a hundred different affirmations. And I read that document quite regularly. It includes my vision statement, my mission statement, and my love list, which is a, a sort of an adaptation to the bucket list. Okay. Yeah. So it's a list of, I would love to do this in the, the seven areas of life. And it's very specific things. And then at the end of it, I've got a few quotations from people that I uh, like to remind myself from history and also my own uh, created um, affirmations. And I think it's a, a great way to redirect your focus, which is one of the things we can control is is our perceptions, our actions, and our decisions. We we cannot really control much else right. outside of us, especially other people, what's going on in the world. We can have some impact on it, but we can definitely control our perceptions, our actions, and our decisions. And if you, one of your decisions and actions is to remind yourself of affirmations uh, that make your mind go to the places where you want it to go, that's quite empowering. Awesome. Now, I, I like the three because I've always said we only have um, control of our actions and reactions, um, but but I never really thought about our perceptions. So um, that's a good one because of the way we look at life and you know what's going on around us. So so that that that's a good one to hear. Are there? And I don't know if this is such a thing, but are there different levels of imposter syndrome? Like. You know, can you be, yeah, okay, it's just kind of mild because it's only affecting me in one area of my life or, you know what, it's taken over every aspect of my life. So, you know, I'm a level 10, <laughs> you know, yeah. help, help me, help me now sort of thing. Um, is well, it I, I suspect like that? That, I, I suspect that uh, it's going to affect people in different degrees. Like if we take a, a basic scale of, of zero to 10, zero being you don't feel like an imposter, to 10, meaning you feel like it all the time in all areas of your life, you're going to find that there's probably going to be a bell curve, right? So most people are going to say that it's in maybe a couple of areas, but there's some areas of their life where they feel completely confident and competent. So that's my initial sort of impression of the situation just from talking to people is that most people have it in one or two areas it's rare to find that people have it in all areas of their life. Right. Now, I wanted to back up and I wanted to do this earlier because you haven't always been an imposter syndrome expert. Um, so I'd like to back up a little bit into your previous life, let's call it. And yeah, this uh, is the fun part. <laughs> yeah. What, what were you kind of doing before, you know, this became your, your focus and your goal? Um, there had to be something that kind of, pushed you in this direction. Um, but I know, you know, and I said we were going to talk about that professional beatboxer stuff, but, you know, I, and I know you've had uh, a lot of great experiences in your life, but kind of take us back. What were you doing before you got into, into imposter syndrome? I was a school teacher and I was teaching at a high school in Hollywood in Los Angeles for a few years. Okay. And uh, at night, I was teaching adults to finish their high school certificate, which is the GED or the high set right, in the yeah. USA. I think it might be the same in, in Canada. And I really love teaching. And I was also trying to become a professional speaker and a coach and an author and an online course creator. So I was building a brand for myself. But that's not really the first uh, part of the story, it really goes back to 
uh, when I was at university, I was I was thinking, okay, what do I want to do with my life in my and my career? And I really had no idea. I studied, a, I had a degree in philosophy and most people say, well, what kind of job can you get from that? And I say, well, I'm not going to university to get a job. I'm going to learn how to think and to find out my purpose and to really understand the rules of the game and what's available because I saw the jobs that are available and I just wasn't inspired by them. Uh, my old man, funnily enough, said, one day you'll want to run a business. And at 15, you don't really pay attention to your old man. Right. But I'll tell you what, he he was dead right. And uh, your really, parents were entrepreneurial, were they not? My old man was a state manager for a packaging uh, company, uh, paper paper products. And then he got made redundant in the mid 90s and started his own business in like, yeah, 96, 97. So I saw him build a business. Uh, yeah, the year 2000, I remember he bought the first uh, 486DX computer you know, for two grand, it had like, I think 200 megabyte hard drive and a, and a fax machine. And he, he built a, a successful business with packaging products. So I had that experience and I saw him talking to people doing sales calls. My mother was equally an incredible salesperson. She did party plan like Nutramedics and, okay, you know, yeah. she would go to people's homes and, and sell products like that. So I saw two examples of people, people, if you know what I mean, right, people who yeah. are great with people and particularly sales and a great work ethic. So I know that that definitely played along the way to where I wanted to go. But I thought, well, I want to do something creative. And I had this party trick called beatboxing, which people tended to like, and I enjoyed doing it. That's making rhythmical uh, drum beats with your voice. Yeah. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to, to get paid to do that? And I thought, well, how the hell am I going to do that? And I was doing children's birthday parties at the time as a mad scientist. <laughs> so I was thought, okay, well, the children's party thing, that's, that's a winner. What if I just changed the topic? And so I just thought I'll put myself out there as a professional human beatboxer and entertain young people. But I procrastinated for many years and I thought I wasn't good enough. And that's when I first felt like an imposter. And I was, I was like, I'm, I'm not a beatboxer. I'm, I'm, you know, this guy from Australia and I really, you know, downplayed myself. Right. So that was the first time that I experienced it. Eventually, I, I put myself out there and was quite successful with it and had a great time. Then when I decided to become an imposter syndrome expert, in, the imposter syndrome came back for me, which is the ironic thing here, right? And you feel like an imposter being coming an imposter becoming syndrome expert. expert. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I was looking at... Uh, published authors and psychologists on online just saying i don't have the street cred that they've got so i i minimized myself again fortunately i'd learned enough to realize that that was an unrealistic reaction and this actually had incredible powerful uh strength and something they could offer to my clients and say i know what it's like to go through it like fresh after years of thinking that i'd overcome it right and so I thought, thank you, imposter syndrome. Thank you to that inner critical voice that was saying, you can't do this. You're not allowed to. Who are you to put yourself out there out there as an expert? And I thought, no, wait a second. That inner critical voice, you can transform it into what I call the inner genius. 
you might call it the inner legend because right. you, yeah. you like to call yeah. your people legends. So yeah. I like to think of my inner critical voice as an inner genius or an inner revolutionary, someone who is purposely given the job to criticize all of my decisions to keep me sharp. So I appreciate that part of myself now. So whenever the doubt comes in, I say, hang on, this is actually a part of me that is a strength to help me stay in the, in the path that I want to be on. It's not someone trying to bring me down. And so I, I went through it and now I can say that imposter syndrome is transformed and is an ally. Right. Now, do you ever, as an expert, does it ever sneak back in at some points? It has not snuck back in since I started about two, two or three years ago when I first put myself out there as an imposter syndrome expert. It started for the first month or two. And I was like, people are going to laugh at me. They're going to ridicule me. And then I thought, no, I'm going to continue to fulfill my highest value of educating people about a topic that I'm passionate about. And even though I would experience that feeling, I said, my cause is more important than the insecurities. So I, I turned the challenges into something that was meaningful to try and overcome, especially in the service for other people. Right. Where did the name Self-Worth Sam come from? Originally, I called myself the Self-Worth Guy because I couldn't think of a name, right? <laughs> and I got um, I got a variation of that from uh, a neighbor living in Hollywood. And he said, why don't you call yourself Self-Worthy Sam? That's, you know, a bit more, I don't know, it's it's kind of a cool name. And so I just took made it Self-Worth Sam. So um, shout out to Jamie for helping me with that. Right. And right. and many people have commented on it and said it's a great name. And so I just I stuck with it and made my own personal version or my own brand, essentially, which has been an incredible uh, psychological and spiritual development program for me. And I think a lot of people who start their own business and brand, they go through a similar thing of, of the insecurities to the point where they can stand in their own and say, yeah, I have something of value and I'm proud of it. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to the world. Right. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your book. I don't want to, you know, go without uh, you talking about your book and uh, the 30 day challenge. Tell yeah, us about sure. That. How to beat imposter syndrome and be confident originally was an online, well, is an online course that is available. And I took that, there was four hours of video content that I created over 30 days. And then I uploaded the videos to YouTube. YouTube transcribed them into text and I copied and pasted the text into a book. Okay. So I didn't really write the book. I spoke it. Right. And then I paid an editor on Fiverr just to clean it up a little bit. So the book, the main message of the book is know thyself, know thy worth. And so if you know who you are, you'll know your value, you'll feel authentic, you'll feel inspired. And a lot of the insecurities that people go through will go to the sides and you'll see them in a different light. You'll soon learn to appreciate what you initially perceived as weaknesses. And so the book is made of 30 chapters, which are small and they each have a, an, a message and some practical activity to help people with really specific uh, problems. 
And each chapter is actually uh, a, a very well-searched question on the internet. And there's a, a beautiful website out there called Answer the Public. And if you put a topic into Answer the Public, it will go and crawl the internet and find out the most commonly asked and typed in search terms on any topic. Oh, so wow. I just took the top 30 questions that were asked about imposter syndrome or self-doubt and made those the chapter headings and then wrote a chapter about each one of them or, you know, like a summary. And then I recorded the online course. Right. So if a person is experiencing uh, the second guessing of themselves or they, they doubt themselves or they can't take a compliment, there's lots of different things in the book, like very specific problems. The book is a, a great challenge to, to help you to overcome them all. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's it's a really practical book for people. It's got little activities at the end of every chapter, like quizzes and and challenges to do. Well, I think it sounds great. And I, there, there's one part of it there you just mentioned that I will have to get a copy of the book. Is I I'm going to send you one. I'm going to yeah, send you one. I have a hard time accepting compliments. That's uh, that's one thing that you know the wife gets on me all the time. Is you know she'll even look at me and say. Uh, that was a compliment <laughs> and it just kind of goes, you know, uh, over my head sort of thing. So, um, no, I think it's great. So listen, I want to ask you, you had mentioned about, you know, want to uh, ask you a couple of personal things you had mentioned about the bucket list, but you don't call it your bucket list. Sorry. What did you refer to as your love to list? Uh, yeah. Love list. Your and love list. so, um, every, let's say thing in the, in the love list starts with, I would love to. So what is something off the I would love to list that you have accomplished? Something that I have accomplished, I would love to learn this, the, the habit of saving and investing. And I have accomplished that. I've got a strategy and there was a time when I sucked at saving money and I knew nothing about investing. Now I have a clear investment philosophy, which is very conservative and is um, based on Nobel Prize winning um, economists and also uh, people like Benjamin Graham, who wrote The Intelligent Investor, who is the mentor of Warren Buffett and Charles D. Ellis and a whole range of other people who talk about values investing or right. um, broad market investing, you know, not not day trading and not crypto no. and no. not Forex, which is risky at the end of the day and, and often uh, doesn't, is not sustainable. Right. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of Warren Buffett myself, uh, where he says, you know, buy boring because people will always, you know, whether it's a Mars bar, look, a Mars bar hasn't changed in 40 years or, or toilet paper, right? Like that, you know, it's not flashy, it's not exciting, but it's always going to be there and always going to make you money. So, um, speaking of money, if money was no object, what's one luxury item you'd like to buy yourself? I would buy myself a, a Steinway grand piano. Okay. And and get lessons. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you play or you gotta pay for the lessons as well? Well, I, I did a little bit in high school and I can kind of play a few things, but I would I would love to learn old time rock and roll songs and yeah, I love that style of music or nineteen thirties jazz. Anything from the jazz rat pack, you can see the the right. poster on the wall I there. That's that in the background. Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Sammy Jr., Davis and Frank Jr. Sinatra. Yeah, yeah. So I love that music. Uh, in addition to 
uh, more contemporary style music as well. But yeah, I would I would buy a piano. That's yeah. that'd be fun. Something fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now I don't know um, about pizza in Melbourne, Australia, but this is an argument that's always had in a lot of households up here. So I'm going to ask you: Does pineapple belong on pizza? Absolutely. <laughs> without without a shadow of a doubt and if you don't think it belongs on pizza <laughs> we, we could start a big argument but right. you know each each to their own but for me absolutely love it more right. more toppings the better well at least now i know when i come to australia i can get uh, pineapple on my pizza so uh who's your favorite superhero iron man iron i love man. the i love the suit that he just presses the button <laughs> it goes and he can fly so I'm I'm down with that. Right. Well, and that brings me to what would have been my next question. If you had a superpower, so I'm going to guess it's flying. Is that? Uh... Well, yeah, flying would be cool. But if I had a superpower, teleportation, okay. hands down. I would love to be able to travel around the world in in a blink of an eye and, and go for day trips here and there and right. th those right. sorts of things. Right. Awesome. Well, listen, I want to get wrapping up here soon, but um, there's one question. I I hate the way that a lot of people phrase it. And that's where do you see yourself in five years? To me, that's, that's not a question I like to ask, but I'd like to ask, you know, what does the future hold for self-worth Sam? You know, what are you looking at? What are you excited about? What, where's the future? Yeah. Situation? Yeah. Well, I have a, a vision that goes beyond my life and my vision is to contribute to people beyond my life with my books, my, my talks and things like this. But if you want just the next decade or so i see myself traveling around the world speaking about self-worth raising people's self-worth igniting their passions and changing the consciousness of the planet or at least contributing to it to raise people's consciousness to help them to fulfill their highest values and to in turn contribute to other people's lives i think that's one of the greatest things that is possible with humans is that we can teach other people something and then they can go on to teach other people. And so I would, I would love to be a traveling educator and philosopher. Oh, that's great. That is um, a goal that I'm sure you're going to, to achieve. Uh, I, I can see it, you know, it's been great chatting with you here. So before I wrap it up, if people want to learn more, and I know you got a list of links that I'm going to put on the website, but if people want to reach out, if people want to learn more, want to figure out maybe how to get your book, where, where can they find you? They can go to selfworthsam.com or they can type in my social media handle is the same selfworthsam. And if you go to selfworthsam.com, you can sign up for the free five-day plan. It's a five videos called Break the Cycle of Imposter Syndrome to ditch the doubt and embrace your expertise. And there's also an opportunity to book a free sales call with me, like 15-minute call to see if you want to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. I'm happy to uh, answer people's questions on that call as well. So that's the best place. Right. Okay. Any last words, anything that you want to throw out that maybe I didn't cover that you were hoping, you know, we would touch on or any words of advice you want to give to anybody um, who's yeah, yeah. possibly facing imposter syndrome? Okay, this one comes from my mentor, Dr. John Martini. He says, the magnificence of who you are far exceeds any fantasy that you may impose upon yourself.
Yeah, that's great. The mag the magnificence of who you are far exceeds any fantasy that you may impose upon yourself. The fantasy of not being good enough or being imperfect. So the magnificence is much, much greater than that. People are, in, are capable capable of incredible things. Absolutely. They just got to believe in themselves, right? We can't we can't rely on other people to believe in us. It, it's having that self. Uh, belief. So listen, I want to thank you, Sam. This has been uh, a great um, interview. I've learned a lot. Uh, like I said to you at the beginning, you know what? I see a lot of myself in the imposter syndrome where there's obviously areas that I need to in improve on. Um, and, I and I look forward to taking that journey. Um, as we wrap up here, you know, I always leave my listeners with a golden nugget. So I'm going to get into that now before we wrap up. And what I want to say is, you know, you're obviously listening to this podcast for a reason. And if I had to guess, it's because you want to be better tomorrow than you are today. You want that greater version of you. You see yourself succeeding. You have a vision. You have a dream. And you may not realize it, but you're already ahead of 95% of the world and probably most of the people you associate with, believe it or not. So I want you to ask yourself a question. Do I want to live my life as a person who fears failure or as a person who loves success? Because ultimately the choice is yours to make. Uh, you know, there was a study done on deathbed regrets. And the number one regret was not spending enough time with my family. Um, but do you know what the number two regret was? Not chasing my dreams. That was the number two regret. And I don't want that to be a part of your story. You don't want that to be a part of your story. Legends are not judged by the number of times they fail. They're judged by the number of times they get back up. Right? I like to say you never fail until you quit. And there's no quit in, in legends. So you have a decision to make, right? Are you going to live your life by those shoulda, coulda, wouldas? Or are you going to start becoming the legend you know you're destined to be? That's a wrap for today. I want to thank you all for listening. And we'll talk again soon. Hey, everybody. I just want to thank you for joining us on today's episode. I hope you got some value out of it. I hope you got some education. I hope you got some inspiration to help you on your way and your journey to becoming that entrepreneur you know you deserve to be. Now listen, if there's anything you're struggling with, any questions you would like answered, any subject you would like us to cover, reach out to me. And if you're somebody who would like to be a guest on the show to share your knowledge, to share your inspiration, to help that next group of entrepreneurs get to where they want to be, I would love to have you on the show. Either way, you can reach out to me at podcast at realfuckingjob.com. That's podcast at R-E-A-L-F-U-K-I-N-G-J-O-B.com. Once again, thanks for listening. Truly appreciate you. Now go out there and start turning that dream into a reality.